Well, good morning. Good to see you all. It's good to be here today. I'm privileged to be able to to stand before you and preach the word. Um, Kyle and I had worked this out in advance uh, long before um, Ezra decided to make his appearance. Uh, it just happened a, a week earlier than we had planned, but uh, uh oh. Somebody's beeper went off. Anybody under 30 probably doesn't know what a beeper is. So, you know, they, anyways. Uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting week, uh, of course, with uh, Jamie and Kyle. I had a conversation with Jamie a few weeks ago. She was like, well, I've got two weeks, three weeks. And she had it down to the practically the minute. And I said, well, you never know. Babies have their own ways of doing things. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he decides to come a little bit early. She's like, well, yeah, sure enough, he came early. And uh, I was uh, blessed yesterday to, to be able to go down to the hospital. And usually when you're at Children's, um, I've never had any trouble getting into any place that I, I wanted to go. And yesterday was the first time, I mean, they put the, the brakes on. I, I said, well, I'm here to visit so-and-so. And I said, hold on a minute, and they start looking, you're not on the list. I'm like, what list? Well, there's a list, a visitor's list. There's only 10 people on it, and you're not on it. And I'm like, okay. Um, she goes, well, you'll have to contact the parents, and they'll have to put you on the list. And so I tried to contact the parents. Well, sure enough, when you're inside the hospital... Uh, the phones don't work, the cell phone don't work, you can't text anybody, it's just like somebody turned off all the electronics in there. Somehow I got a hold of Neola, who, who got a hold of somebody else, uh, um, <clears throat> I think it was Kyle's mom, and then she got a hold of Kyle, and we just kind of jumped around, and eventually he came down, and even then they weren't going to let me on the list. You're not on the list. <laughs> so finally Kyle looks at me and he goes, pull it out. I said, all right, so I fill around and pulled out my pastor's license card. I said, threw that down. It was like playing poker, and you, you pull out the, yeah, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, sure, go right on up. It's no problem. So I was like, that's cool. I've been wanting one of these for a long time. That's, that's pretty neat. So I got to go up and spend some time with the family. Grandma and Grandpa were there, uh, all of Ezra's aunts. Um, uncles were there, and uh, so the whole family was there, and, you know, he uh, is receiving fantastic care down there. Not that Springfield didn't care for him, but, you know, Dayton, specialize, Dayton Children specializes in, in that, that kind of, uh, you know, treatment. And uh, so he uh, has his uh, breathing tube was removed, and he was, he seemed very happy yesterday. Mom and Dad were greatly relieved, as you can imagine. Uh, it was a pretty scary situation this week, and uh, I had to I had to tease Jamie and Kyle a little bit. They, they were sitting there looking at him, and they both had this stunned look on their face, just like, "What have we done?" <laughs> look at this, and you know, the baby just laying there, you know, and they're just looking like. And it dawned on me, I remember this very vividly uh, when I was a kid, or when Neola and I were kids, and we had our first baby, and, and I remember uh, 
Uh, well, I passed out practically with the first one. Uh, I remember standing there, and the nurse then was like, had me in a chair sitting there, and and it was funny, and and it's touching in a way because just like that, in a moment, I, our lives had changed forever. We went from being a kid to an adult. And I saw the same thing with Jamie and Kyle. You know, they, they're adults. They're married. They've led our church and have, have done a great job. And, but yet, still, I would look at them and say, you're just a couple of kids. Well, they got a, a just like that. They're now adults, dealing with adult issues, with adult problems, facing the mortality of their newborn. Uh, if that doesn't shake you up a little bit, I don't know what does. And all of us, I think, you know, we think back to our families and, and our children and, uh, you know, just what a responsibility and what a joy they are. You know, Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate because their children are a testimony to them and to the Lord. And so as we get going here this morning, I want to take a few minutes to pray specifically for Ezra, for Kyle and Jamie, but also for all of the, the children of our church. Okay, I'm going to be selfish and we're going to pray for our kids here this morning. So if you would stand with me, please. Um, and bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the children of this church. They are indeed a gift, a gift that you have given to us. Help us to remember to love them, to nurture them, to bring them up in the ways of, of God. Lord, I pray for Ezra as he grows. I pray that his lungs would be strong. I pray for Maley as she gets strong and that she faces um, a surgery to come up here in the next couple of weeks. I pray for all of the, the little children of our church here at North Hills. And I pray for our teens, and I pray for those who, uh, who go out into the world every day and, and try to live a life that's pleasing to you. God, we're proud of them, but beyond that, we're also thankful that you've given them to us as a reward, as a, as a gift. We know that someday we have to give them back to you as they are your children. Father, we pray that you would bless the people and the children of this North Hills Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I did something silly this week besides, you know, goofing off and stuff. Uh, I, you know, here I am, Mr. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, take some time and, you know, uh, ease up a little bit. I've been too busy. I need to calm down and slow down a little bit. Well, I ended up joining up, and so now I'm coaching girls JV basketball, and we've had three scrimmages last week, so we're in basketball mode, man. We're just basketball, basketball. And uh, so I, I haven't always been paying attention to everything like I should. My mind's kind of thinking of basketball stuff, and I'm trying to, you know, school stuff, and and I'm flipping through Twitter. I'm just kind of going through, and I'm reading. Yeah, that's funny. Ha ha. Oh, yeah. That's a meme. That's great. And I read this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Clicked it, went on. And then went back and said, oh, no. I just retweeted something from the Church of Satan. 
And I, I was like, ah, uh, what do I do? Do I, well, I need to delete that. Well, then I couldn't figure out how to delete it because I didn't want people at church to think I was, you know, somehow got in with those guys. And uh, I've never shared anything before that, quote, went viral. I mean, for me, going viral is what, more than, more than 10 likes? I mean, you know, for me, it's because nobody reads my stuff. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to. Well, as of this morning, my retweet was up to, let's see, 600, 493, 493, 493 retweets of me saying, well, well, that's awkward. I accidentally retweeted a post from the Church of Satan. Well, and that's been retweeted now about 500 times. And sure enough... The Church of Satan has responded to me <laughs> in uh, lots of little messages. And these are some of the things that the Church of Satan wanted me to know. Oh, nothing wrong with that, buddy. It's a little warm down here, but we do have ice cream. <laughs> this one girl says, uh, Mia, from who knows where. I, I did too. And then my mom freaked out. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like this one. Somebody called Squid Cultist. He says, accidentally. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. And on and on and on and on it goes. <laughs> My favorite one is, uh, it's a picture of, uh, the you know, the, the artist with the big hair. He's like, we don't make mistakes. We just have happy little accidents, you know. And so I'm going through all of these these replies, and I'm thinking, now this is nothing like I think the Church of Satan. I thought they would be like, die, Christian, you know, or something like that. But all of them were witty, funny, intelligent, um, silly, uh, happy that I had dropped in and accidentally gave them a lot of publicity. So, but, uh, and it got me thinking. You know, what is this thing, the church of Satan? What is he? And then the idea of the church. And, uh, you know, I got to thinking, you know, what is this thing, the church? When I was a little kid, uh, somebody tricked me one time. They said, I want you to draw a picture of the church. And so I drew a picture of the church, and it was, I drew it, and it was the building, of course, and you know, it looked all, I put a lot of work into that. <clears throat> and then our pastor looked at it, and he went, I'm disappointed in you. And I went, I was hurt. I was like, I worked hard on that. Because it, the point being, that's not the church. The church is actually the people. We are the church. That's what makes the church what it is. You know, when most people hear the word church, they probably think of a building. You know, this is where the gatherers, or this is where the people gather. This is the the church. But, you know, biblically speaking, a church is much more than just a building. It's about the people. And in the world of church stuff, uh, theology, the people who seek to understand all aspects of the church, um, they specialize in a, in a uh, theology that we call ecclesiology. Ecclesia is the, the Greek word that it's a general term that refers to the, a gathering or an assembly. Now, the word itself does not mean church. There, there really is no Greek word for church. The, the, the word that we use for church is actually derived from a German 
word. Um, but as close as we can get, the word ecclesia, it means a, an assembly, a, 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 an assembly of people. And so, you know, when you think about the church, um, you know, we think about an assembly of people. The early Christian church had no building, no place that they could call, we got to go down to church today, we got to go to the church. Uh, usually they met in homes. Homes were convenient. Uh, everything you needed was right there. Uh, they were more comfortable. Uh, they didn't cost any money to, to keep up, you know, for the upkeep and stuff. And, you know, I think of, uh, and I'm not judging anybody, I think it's a, fan, it's a beautiful building. Right down the road there, uh, I tell people I go to the Church of God in Northridge, and they all think I, it's that big church down the, yeah, the Christian, up Moorfield Road there, you know. And uh, I got to wonder, how much did that building cost? How much does it cost to, to, to up for the upkeep? That's a lot of money. And God bless them that they're able to do that. I'm sure uh, you know, there's a purpose and a, and a role for that. But that's a lot of money that could be spent on meeting needs of people. So you know, there's a happy balance. But the early church... And they didn't have to pay the bills for the, the church building or any of that. Also, they were being persecuted. So meeting in a home was a great way to uh, stay in hiding. So, you know, you wouldn't get arrested or killed or beat up or harassed. Later, of course, as Christianity spread, buildings were dedicated to worship. And so today we have the, the idea of a building that we all assemble in. And uh, so the word ecclesia in the Greek is what's commonly translated to the English word church. Okay, but it means essentially the Lord's assembly. We are the Lord's assembly. In other words, this isn't exactly where we come just to assemble. Like the, <laughs> we're like the Avengers. Avengers assemble. You know, we all show up at church. You know. But we belong to the Lord as an assembly. We are the Lord's assembly. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to look at the first real use of the word church. And um, Jesus was traveling around with his disciples, and he kind of throws them a question. He's here, he's like, you know, hey, uh, who do you say that the Son of Man is? What, what are people saying out there? Who do they think that I am? And in Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 30, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to him, who do you say that I am? And you're my close friends. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, 
and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will build this great assembly that belongs to the Lord, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. This is the first instance in most English Bibles in which the word church is used. And pretty much every time you, you, we come to the word ecclesia throughout the, uh, the New Testament, the Greek New Testament, it's translated as assembly or church. Okay, We are the, literally the called out ones, the ones called out from the world to be part of the Lord's assembly. It's interesting how uh, Jesus mentions here, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, we're not talking here, I don't think, about the idea that the church is on an offensive and we're about to storm the gates of Hades or something like that. But Hades from which we get also the, the English word for hell, it refers to death, the place of, literally the place of the dead. Okay? Therefore, the gates of Hades refers to, in my opinion, it refers to death. Um, you know, how do you get into the place of, the, of Hades? Well, you got to die to get there. Death itself is no match for the church. We think about the church and we think about all of the power uh, you know, that, that, uh, of God. And it is true that the church, um, the, the gates of Hades, cannot overpower it. The church consists of all believers, past and present. That's all of us today and everyone who's gone on before us. It's kind of neat. Um, over the summer, I visited Guthrie Grove which is one of our sister churches. It's in South Carolina. And their church has one of those old-time cemeteries right there. And, and literally, I think everybody from the church gets buried in that cemetery eventually. They, they've got a big map set up on the wall, and you can kind of go, there's so-and-so's family, so-and-so's great-grandpa, he's there. And, it, and it's just kind of neat how they all, you know... Neola makes fun of me. She's like, you're weird, because anytime we go someplace, i got to visit the cemetery. You know, I'm a history buff, so I'm like, oh, so-and-so's buried there. we got to go see that. And she's like, this is just weird. Hey, you're weird. You could go in there. And he's... So, um, but all believers, past and present, those who are, have gone on before us and lie in death, uh, they, they're part of the church. They are part of God's assembly. The church began, of course, at Pentecost, uh, and it continues on to this very day. The church is referred to as many different things. Um, I think of the B's, the letter B. I mean, we're referred to, the church is referred to as believers. We're referred to as the branches. The church is referred to as uh, the body referred to as a building, the bride. I mean, uh, the church is used in many different ways uh, in, as, as symbolic of, of what it is. 
Mark chapter 9 says, All things are possible to those who believe. The believers are, make up the Lord's assembly. Are you a believer today? Do you really believe in, in the gospel, the idea that your sins are forgiven? A lot of us want to believe that, but do you really believe it? You're a part of the worldwide idea of the church. God has called out from this world a group of people, an assembly that belongs to him that make up his church. We want to be a part of that church. Jesus said in the book of John, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you want to be connected to me, you got to be part of the branch. Don't tell Larry, there's a bunch of deer running across the field over there. They're... Sorry, Larry, you got your big one out there. Anyways, uh, body, uh, the body of Christ, we refer to ourselves as that. People are referred to as a building or a temple in which Christ dwells through the, the Holy Spirit. And of course, in the book of Revelation, the church is described as a bride, a bride waiting for her groom, with Jesus, of course, being the groom. So we have this thing called the church. What are we supposed to do with it? Just for fun, uh, I went around and I was, I was asking different people, uh, you know, what's, what's the role of the church? What's your role in the church? And people always freeze up when you ask them. They're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, what is your role in the church? Many had no idea what they were doing or what they were to do. Uh, again, church is not just the place where we show up on Sunday or once a week to, to see our friends and, and that's it. It's a body of believers with a specific purpose, a specific nature about us. And uh, I think if you, you really boil it down, I boil it down to three things. And we come here for three primary reasons. One is worship. To worship. And we had fun doing that this morning. Uh, even last week, Kyle and Jamie doing their Sonny and Cher act. Uh, hey, that was worship. I mean, we were trying our best to, to worship God, and it's more than just the act. I mean, it's something that we do out of love, something out of obedience. And I think that there, there needs to be some semblance of order when it comes to, to worship. Uh, open up your Bibles to Malachi. This is, would be the last book of the Old Testament, just before Matthew. Okay, and so we're right at the tail end here of the Old Testament. Turn to Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Now I'm going to read this, and I'm going to kind of emphasize some of the things. God is going to be speaking here, and, and God's not that pleased. He's not happy. Okay, and see if you can figure out why. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, starting at verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where's my honor? If I am a master, where's my respect? 
says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name, you church people, you who despise me. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? And in saying that, you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is that not evil? Talking about, I assume, sheep, you know, uh, for the sacrifice. Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? Verse 9, but now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. It doesn't sound like God. I thought God just took whatever we gave him. God's he's not too pleased here. Uh, verse 11, For from the rising of the sun even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations. But you are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled. And, for, and as for its fruit, its, its food is to be despised. You also say, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is sick or lame so that you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. What is God's deal? Well, these priests of this church, the people in the church running the, or, well, I shouldn't say the church, the assembly of, of, of God, the temple here, they were to serve God and to carefully fulfill the law when, when they worship God, and placing food and items upon the altar. The, the Old Testament is very clear in the way and the manner that they were to worship God. You come to church, this is how you do it. Why? I don't know why. I don't ask those questions. The only reason? Because that's what God said. That's what He wants. This is the way you, I want it done. Well, the people, the priests, those involved, in the sacrifice, those who conducted the service, they weren't getting the job done. I think they were disrespectful to God. They were not following directions. They were not giving the best of their flocks to God. They were not doing things in a manner that God found acceptable. And God told them, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to curse you. Now, why is that any different today? Many times in the house of the Lord, we approach worship in a flippant, disrespectful manner. I've done that many, many times. 
I sit and play with my phone. I sit and go hide downstairs. I run off and do this. The point is, when we're here to worship, God has called us together as his assembly to worship, to be together for his glory, not for ours. When we come into the house of God for worship, and we don't treat it with the respect and the dignity that it demands, I don't believe that God finds that altogether pleasing. It's a a wonderful and beautiful thing for us to be able to worship. And we do it so often, I think we have to remember to challenge ourselves from time to time that yes, we are really in the presence of God. He's not out there somewhere. God is here. We are His people. He owns us. And it behooves us to to love Him and to worship Him and to do so in, in truth. You know, it's also, as the church, besides worship, I think one of our great purposes is edification. There's a big fancy word for you, to edify. It means to, you know, to, to bring good, to, to help, to build other people up. One of the greatest things that I've always loved about our church is the willingness that we have to love one another, to edify, to build each other up. Now, like any family, from time to time, we have disagreements. We have things that, that, that can, can happen, that can bring... Uh, that result in not bringing about um, edification. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I want to give you an example of this. Just a reminder of what it is the church really does. Why are we really here? Acts, chapter 2, verse 43 is where I'll pick up. And we're talking about the early church. They've just you got all these believers who, who have suddenly joined up, and, and they're, they're, they're the, the early first church is there. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, verse 43. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, I don't know that in today's world, in you know, Northridge, Springfield, USA in 2019, that we necessarily need to run out and sell everything we have. You know, I, I'm going to go home and put everything up for sale, and we'll take the money and we'll give it to you. Well, that would be noble, but I don't know that that's necessarily what God calls us to do. We need to have the attitude, though, that people are more important than things. People are more important than money. People are more important than time. That other people are more important than the things that we tend to hoard for ourselves. You know, there are a lot of times 
personally, I won't act upon some aspect of ministry because I simply don't want to invest the time to make it happen. I don't have the time. I worry about it, and then later I'm like, you know, that need was probably more important than whatever I thought that I had to get done. You know, ministry is not always convenient. But then again, neither are the needs that people have. Um, I was thinking about Jamie and Kyle. You know, they're going to be bringing Ezra home here in the next few weeks. You know, and unlike a lot of us, their families live far away. We have people outside of the church we can rely on. We have family who can come and, and can help and can be there and can, can kind of help with the church, come alongside with the church. But Jamie and Kyle, you know, their family is here, but they have to go home. And most of them, I think they left yesterday or they're leaving today. And that's going to bring pain to them. I know that it will. What are we going to do as a church to minister to that family? What are we going to do as a church to minister to those who are in need? Many of you have needs. We as a church would love to meet those needs. You know, one of the things that, that's difficult from time to time is that those in leadership here in the church, those who really desperately want to help you, who want to help meet your needs, we simply do not know what your needs are. Um, and then people, you know, later can sometimes get upset they didn't help me. Well, nobody knew about it. I mean, we have to be willing to meet needs, and I think we, we do an outstanding job of that. But we also need to, at times, humble ourselves and be willing to ask for a hand, to be willing to, to ask somebody, look, I hate asking this, but I really need somebody to help me out here. That's part of being a church family. That's part of being and uh, fulfilling the, the role, the mission of the church, which is to build up the body. We are God's assembly. But he didn't call us all together just to ignore each other. We're here for each other, to help one another, to love one another, to meet the needs of those within the church. And then finally, the role of the church, I think, is evangelism. To share the message of the gospel with ourselves, to continuously reinforce the idea of the gospel, but also to share it to people within our community. We have to be about pointing unbelievers to Christ. Um, I'm not sure who his name is, but it's the guy who created a cartoon ministry. It's called VeggieTales. Many of you know VeggieTales. VeggieTales is great. VeggieTales. Yeah. Once you get there's your earworm for the day, and you know, get that stuck in your head. But the uh, the guy who created VeggieTales, he sort of has turned the the you know the franchise. It's a big business too. Over and other people make decisions and they use it and. He got frustrated. He said, you know, VeggieTales is fantastic, but we have made lots of fantastic shows that talk about why you shouldn't lie, 
why you shouldn't steal, uh, all kinds of zany adventures. It's a lot of fun. You, you know, you got a talking tomato and a talking cucumber, and they, they get to know all their stuff. But I created Veggie Tales to share the gospel, not to provide entertainment. There's a difference. And that's something that he desperately he wants to reorient Veggie Tales and all the fantastic lessons and things that they teach is, is great. But he wants, what is it, Bob and, what's the other one, Larry? Bob and Larry are supposed to be pointing people to Jesus. That's why they were created. And sometimes the church falls into that same problem. We get so hung up on, oh, we got to teach all this, and we got to run these surveys, and we got to do this, that, and the other, and we're making hot dogs and doing it. But the mission of the church is to point people to Christ. We have an obligation to do that as a church, as a church body. You know, we've done a great job in the past year or two, really. I've seen a lot of neat things that just make me excited um, in terms of drawing the community to our campus. There have been more visitors to our church in the last couple of years than many, many, many years. We have people flocking here to the car show. We have people, a trunk or treat has blown up into this massive thing now, which is cool. It's, it's going to start to become the thing to do in this community. I think I counted, uh, we were close to 500 people here for trunk or treat. Uh, our Easter egg thing, it will probably do similar. I mean, it's going to be huge. And these are fantastic ministries that we've, we've created to draw people to our campus. And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of planning to pull that off. It also takes a lot of work to continue the ball rolling, to keep it moving. The ultimate reason for these things, yeah, we want to make some money and do some fun things. Eventually, we want to be the church that points people to Christ. That is our role. That is our mission. I thought I was real cute and made up a, a funny slogan for churches who are always busy. My, my dad's church used to be, I mean, they were always doing something. Always. So I, I was like, ah, you go to the church of what's happening. You know, you're the... And I got to thinking about that, and I want to be a part of the church that's what's happening. We should all want to be part of a church that's committed to fulfilling the mission of the church every single day. I want to be known as the church of what's happening. I don't want to be the church that happens three times a year and once a week on Sunday. I want to be, this is the place, this is a, a, a hub for ministry. You know, I'm going to give you some homework here. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to be preaching again next week. So I want you to spend some time this week thinking about your role and your attitude within the church, our North Hills Church. Okay, How is your worship? How do you worship? Do you bring it on Sunday to worship God? Or you make the mistake like I did. I was... Uh, 
I was pretty uh, embarrassed. I was sitting right where I always sit, and Kyle's up here preaching, and I'm like fooling around on my phone, and I kept sending these things to Kayla. And she sent me a note that says, Dad, it's church. Put the phone away. And I'm like, yikes, got me. Okay, well, away the phone went, and you know, so I'm trying to shave up. You know, what have you done last week to bring comfort to someone within the church? What have you done to edify somebody within the church? If you have a need, and you told me about it, and I haven't helped you, shame on me. And have you shared Jesus this past week? Have you done anything to point someone else to Christ? We can all be Bob and Larry and Veggie Tales and do all kinds of neat, wonderful things, but we want to be able to point people ultimately to our Savior. I mean, these are all things that all of us, when we think about church, you know, that I think from time to time it's good to to sort of take a little inventory and see where we're at. And, and if you're brand new at church, you've never been to church before, I don't want you to sit there and think, oh, great, I show up to church and they're going to ask me to do a hundred things, and that's not what I'm saying. We want you to feel free to be at our church to worship. That when you come to our church, you'll be lifted up. That people will be here to meet your needs. And that above all, we're helping you to find Jesus. And we're confident that as you grow with us, you'll do likewise. You'll do the same for other people. That's kind of how the church exists. That's how it continues to grow. That's how it keeps moving forward. And that's why the church has never failed. That's why the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Throughout all of history, Groups and powers have tried to destroy the church. It just grows. It just keeps growing. And how blessed is it that we're a part of that, that we're a part of that wonderful, wonderful church of God. And, uh, uh, you know, thank you, Lord, for allowing somebody like me to be a part of your chosen assembly. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for... For this day and Lord I pray that all of us will stop and think about the church and you know what how do we worship you how can I better come to this place and give to you the things that you desire how can I reach out to a brother and how can I share the gospel with somebody who needs it father thank you for this church it's a church filled with love of people who want to serve of a, a group of people who are not afraid to live their lives for your son, Jesus. God, we pray for Kyle, that you would lift him up and his family, that Ezra would grow strong in the Lord and uh, uh, have a huge blessing for Jamie as well. Father, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen.